If you are a longtime listener to the Happier at Work podcast, you will have heard me speak previously about my signature Happier at Work program. The program has now moved beyond the pilot phase and it's for organisations who want to maintain a really great culture that they already have. They know that their staff are really, really important and they want to retain staff for as long as possible and drive a sense of better engagement at work. Overall, ultimately, what the programme does is create a happier working environment using research-backed methods. What that means is we look at the current state of play, what needs to change, and then we measure the effectiveness of that change during the programme and also when the programme finishes. The programme itself is very practical and it is designed with coaching as well in order to embed the learning into the organisation. You're listening to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for leaders who put people first. The podcast covers four broad themes, engagement and belonging, performance and productivity, leadership equity, and the future of work. Everything to do with the Happier at Work podcast relates to employee retention. You can find out more at happieratwork.ie. That was me having not dealt with the fact that I didn't feel good enough because of all these things that were completely out of my control. And then now I'm processing all of this in front of everybody. So when it goes wrong, it goes really wrong. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you join today and listen in on the conversation between myself and my lovely guest for this week, Ashley Collins from Humane Startup. And myself and Ashley cover, I'm trying to describe what it, what the conversation is about, but essentially all the stuff that you have, the baggage that you carry from past relationships, from any interactions that you've had in the past, any sort of biases and assumptions that you have about the world. So it's it's a nice carry on from the, the previous interview-based podcast with Lisa Marie Platsky in that we dive into a little bit more about this idea of bringing your whole self to work, that potentially being a problem because you're bringing that baggage. Anything really that needs to be addressed by therapy, we look at the impact that that has on business and the kind of things that we can identify and the kind of solutions and practical steps that we can take in order not to let that affect us in business. As always, at the end, I'll be doing a synopsis of some of the key points, some of the key takeaways that we've talked about on today's show. And I would love for you to join in on the conversation as well when I post on social media or feel free to reach out to me directly. You can connect with me through the website happieratwork.ie. That's probably the easiest thing to do. And you'll find all of my links there as well. Welcome, Ashley, to the Happier Work podcast. I'm so delighted to have you as my guest today, and I can't wait to dive into this conversation. Just to give people a little flavor of you, your background, and how you got into what you're doing today, would you like to introduce yourself and, and share a bit about your your own background? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm Ashley Collins, CEO and founder of Humane Startup. A little bit of information on how I got here. Uh, I've been in the revenue generation and founding team business for well over 15 years now, um, working for a mix of large corporations and then obviously founding uh, technology startups in the HR tech and recruitment advertising space. And the work I do now really stems from my personal experience, having founded and exited companies, having navigated sales leadership and rev gen positions as a woman in large organizations, it took a toll on my mental health. And I witnessed those that I cared about, the friends that I founded organizations with, um, you know, experience their own challenges physically and mentally along the way. And that spurred me to become certified in the psychodynamics therapy, psychotherapy and um, acceptance and commitment therapy, which is a form of, of psychotherapy. Uh, and I really wanted to merge these, these two <laughs> parts of myself. Uh, and that's really what Humane Startup is. We're a, a coaching and training organization uh, that works predominantly with, uh, with founders and leaders and also uh, the sales teams uh, that, that power their organizations. And it's, uh, it's been a wild ride and I'm having a, a ton of fun. <laughs> Brilliant. 
And I noticed your use of the word coaching rather than like I would have expected a psychotherapy or something. Would that be to say that you kind of focus more on the future rather than looking into people's past or, or how does that work? Well, I a little bit of both. I, I made a conscious decision not to set up a therapy practice because I just don't feel like that would provide me with the outlets to address the strategic business yeah. challenges. I really needed to, I wanted to responsibly label the work that I do, which is a combination of business and strategic work, but then also digging into that personal. And I, I think when you're doing that, you can't, you can't run away from your yeah. past. It is foundational. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I've, one of my my favorite expressions kicking around at the moment is you know bring your whole self to work, and the truth is we already do that, <laughs> yeah. and a lot of that that self sits in our subconscious is affected by what's happened in the past, and it's really hard to unlock yourself and move into that next level of productivity, performance, and success until you dealt with that and you're really in a mm-hmm. in a situation to to forge healthy relationships in your work and and personal life. And so I've I've kept that coaching designation. I'm just sure I feel yeah. like it's the responsible thing to do, but I absolutely bring therapeutic uh training and practices into into the methods that we use. Yeah. It's brilliant. No, I love that. And um, I mean I have loads of questions just based on what you said now, but I, I suppose maybe a place to start is a discussion around this idea of bringing your whole self to work. And I've I've never heard anyone else say that that we were already doing that, but I totally get where you're coming from, from the perspective that we're already showing up as we are in an authentic way most of the time, that we're not kind of covering ourselves, but it's that it it, it is the fact that we're coming with warts and all. And how do we address those warts that we have, essentially? Yeah, absolutely. And and look, I'm certainly not above this. Like I said, a, a huge part of why I decided to get into this line of work was to better understand myself and yeah. to and to cultivate healthier relationships. I was catching myself particularly under high stress situations when we were exiting the company, um, that, that the first one that we built. Uh, when I got from, had just relocated my family and to England from the U.S. and was promoted into a sales director, um, you know, position here, that's when, like, I, my I say I use the word like flare ups. I would catch myself like doing things that were really out of alignment with the, yeah. the person that I wanted to be, yeah. and a hundred percent it impacted my performance. And in some cases, it costed relationships, like pivotal relationships that could have been very beneficial uh, to to my future, um, you know, professionally. And that's not even getting into, you know, some of the cleanup I had to do in my personal life because my decision-making just wasn't solid uh, across the yeah. board on account of how I was reacting to those those stressors. And, okay, yeah. I mean, are, would you, are you comfortable sharing what those kind of things were coming up? I was going to ask more of a general question around what are the big issues that you see in business? So we prefer to answer generally that that's absolutely fine. But I mean, if you're if you're open to sharing like what those triggers or what those things that were driving the flare ups or what those flare ups were, um, I'd be really interested to hear that. Yeah, I think I think what a lot of it, you know, I caught that I was hypersensitive to being what I perceived as being judged for being a woman. Like I was taking other people's stuff personally yeah. a lot. Okay. I wasn't separating yeah. their stuff from my stuff <laughs> yeah. and then showing them compassion as human beings, you know, when, when they weren't in control of their situation, I was taking that on, making it mine and then raging about it. And I think, you yeah. know, we're, we're starting to hear a lot more terms like things like quiet quitting, definitely done that a couple of times, you know, because it was easier to just shut down or quit my job because I knew that I was highly employable and I had, you know, tremendous, it was way easier to just like run away from the problem than it was to sit down and maybe have a tough conversation with somebody that I was frustrated with, um, and maybe reset, reestablish some healthy boundaries for myself. Um, and each time I did that, you know, I, I, 
I do believe that everything in life happens for a reason. And there were, there were powerful lessons for me to learn from each one of these experiences. Um, but you know, it, it did set me back in terms of achieving my financial goals. Um, you know, my, my career achievement goals each time I did the easy thing by you know, powering up my defense mechanisms, putting my armor on and just avoiding, you know, how I was feeling the tough conversations, you know, so as much as I would have loved to have been like, <laughs> I'll show them, which was really where I was coming from at the time because I was wounded. Um, you know, it ended up being me that, that got stuck with the, <laughs> with the consequences of that. That's, I mean, it's so important. I think, I think people who are listening today, I certainly recognize some of that stuff, you know, stuff. We all have it. It's, there's no point in saying exactly to your point earlier, Ashley, I'm totally above this and I'm, the, I'm at the other side and I can tell you how to do this. It impacts us all. And it's similar, like I talk an awful lot about imposter syndrome. Um, it's similar to that, that, that you kind of think that you're, you're through it and you're over it. And then you'll realize that you're self-sabotaging in another yeah. way, but it's still related to that idea of imposter syndrome. And it sounds very similar to what you're talking about in, in this sense that like, you you think um, that there's a destination that you're going to finally reach. Yeah. And I don't think it's about reaching that destination. It's about growing your level of self-awareness as as your life goes on and understanding yourself better and how you relate to other people. Um, and this, just the phrase that sort of stood out for me was this whole thing of I'll show them, which, you know, I can certainly relate to that. I'm sure a lot of people who are listening today um, maybe we all think that at some point, if if you feel that you've been wronged by someone in some way or that you've been, um, certainly if you have been, if you felt that that someone has underestimated you in some way, if they haven't given you a chance that you felt you should have had a chance and you'd be like, oh, I'm going to show them. And, and then the detrimental impact that that has on us. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's really interesting to me that you bring up sort of of earmarking this achievement, this goal that's going to like unlock and fix everything for you. Yeah. Because in my experience, it's quite the opposite. Um, and, and this is one of the phenomena that I'm, I'm now working with, you know, particularly founders on overcoming because there's, there's something called the gold medal syndrome that we see in athletes. And so oh, what, could I have one of those? Right, please? Right. But it, it, <laughs> yeah, I could totally relate. It's, it's really gold medal syndrome, love. <laughs> but it's it's interesting because you you peg your whole life's purpose around this one goal, and then when you achieve it, it's really anticlimactic because it didn't do or fix any of the things that you expected it to fix. So it's sort of like this: congratulations, here's your existential crisis moment, and this happens a lot with founders because you you put your your business is your baby and you you've given your whole life over to it you've oftentimes sacrificed personal relationships your mental and physical health to get to where you want to go and there's no amount of money in the world that may it that like makes that okay and you and you have no idea where you're going to go next so there's a yeah. real danger and i know these are kind of like extreme examples of like being an olympian or being a founder but i think there's a real risk of that no matter what that goal is like pinning your happiness <laughs> to yeah. achieving something is a very very slippery slope i think when we're feeling off or things are or we're feeling down it's an invitation to get curious about what's driving that and as and as much as we can you know, control the controllables, which is how we respond yeah. to things, you know, being aware of how we're feeling and what we're bringing to the table because we just can't, we can't fix other people. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, well, I mean, there's so much coming up for me now, this idea that, um, you know, it, I think in loads of different scenarios. So if you run the example I kind of think of and that I use, if you're running for a marathon and then you you do the marathon, it's like, okay, I've done that now. What comes next? If you set up a business, if you get the promotion and, and this thinking that I'll be happy when, I'll be happy if, I'll be happy in some point in the future, rather than assessing to your point, Ashley, what's going on for me right now in this moment, that's meaning that I'm feeling less than happy or I'm not, I'm not, I'm kind of feeling a little bit down. Um, and then you're kind of the last point before we 
uh, before I, I kind of came in with this idea that um, you can't fix other people. And, and oftentimes we put the onus on other people or we put the blame on other people rather than addressing the issues that we have ourselves. Yeah. It, and it's so, and I think it's natural. And I think a lot of that comes from one of the reasons that I decided to pursue certification and acceptance and commitment therapy was that I found it to be a very compassionate therapeutic practice and an invitation to accept that it is beyond okay to be angry or frustrated or sad and that these are normal human responses to the circumstances that enter our life. <laughs> and yeah. there's no like there's no such thing as transcending the human experience and you're not going to be happy all the time. But what you can do is shift what you do with those feelings. And yeah. whether or not you sit in them and you let them become blockers to you living life exactly as you want to live it, or whether or not you use that to learn about yourself and take committed action to becoming different. And I've, and I've found it so much easier to take committed action once I was actually clear on what my values as a person were. And one of the things that was really powerful for me, and th this, this sounds so easy on the surface, like, oh, just pick three core values and everything will be well. It's such a hard process, if I can be yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. You're really grappling. I, I found that in my experience, and this is true for so many of you know, the, the folks that I work with, we take on values because we think we should. Yeah. We, we feel bad if something that you know, the company thinks is important isn't necessarily important to us. If there's something that's trending in society at the moment is important and it's not necessarily to us, it can really hurt and bring up a lot of shame to, like, to deal with the fact that those things are not as important to you as you feel like they should be. So getting to that like true list of, of three is game changing, but I needed support to get there. Yeah. Uh, I worked with coaches and, and therapists to get to that point because it did bring up a lot of heavy stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. For me. It's really interesting that you bring up this concept of values. It's something I talk about quite a lot on the podcast um, and uh, uh, it formed a huge part of the research that I did. And my own experience of values is really from the corporate side of things and, and being in companies where they talked about having these company values or these corporate values. And those values have been fairly meaningless, to be honest, in, in a lot of the companies that I worked in, fairly meaningless. They were, it wasn't the lived behavior in the organization. But when I went on to do my coaching diploma, when I went on to do my master's in organizational behavior, this concept of values came up again and it started to make a lot more sense and and to your point about it's really hard work to to nail down i'm still working on it actually to nail down what those core values actually are and um, i think when i first started out i had a list of around 35 different values and i was trying to then group them together and be like well something like excellence like i really value excellence and doing it doing things when i when i do something i want to do it really really well but i also value learning from so those two can kind of yeah. combine a little bit into this value of learning. Like I, I want to do things really, really well, but I also value the learning experience that comes from things. And I think actually to your point on um wanting to have whether they're trendy or you feel like you should have a value of say integrity or authenticity or something like that, the reality is that your behavior may not necessarily reflect that, that you choose something that, that, you know, I'd, and what there's, I mean, there's other things like then respect and, and respect, integrity, honesty, those kinds of things that I often wonder, should they just be a given in an organizational context anyway, that you should expect people to behave in that way? Or is it that some people, it's not within their top three or their top five values, and therefore they're not going to behave in a way that is in line with integrity as other people perceive it. Yeah. And that's, and this is where it, you, you've got to accept humanity for what it is. And in devout values are an incredibly individual thing and you can't 
force a core value on anybody, no matter how mm. much we would like for you know certain things to really matter to absolutely everyone. It's that it's just it's just not realistic. And yeah. I do I do believe that there is a way to express values with respect and kindness and to have boundaries with respect and kindness. So I'm a, I'm a firm believer and I got to can't even tell you how many times I say the phrase in my household, like it's not what you say, it's how you say it. I do feel that there, yeah, okay, you know, yeah, there, yeah. there is a way to go about things and it, and more importantly, it is more productive. So if you're, if you're trying to live out a value, you are going to get far closer to what you want. If you make people feel supported and held and seen and understood along the way. Yeah. So I think that's just kind of like acting in service of your own best interests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really, it's a really valuable point, I think, as well. And I think when it comes to values, like it's not as if we're going around all day, every day, being really aware of what our values are. But I think what comes up is when you're behaving in a way that's not in line with the values that you have or the top values that you have, you can really feel it. So I know like, um, I'm not sure if kindness would necessarily be one of my top values, but I do like to pe- treat people in a kind way. But if someone <laughs> annoys me, they might they might find that they they're, they're getting they're, somebody they're different of that <laughs> kindness spectrum, let's say, and they're they're receiving something that's less than kind, or or whether you know I'm having a bad day, or that they've just rubbed me up the wrong way, or a few people have done something similar, and it's like okay. <laughs> The last person has got to bear the brunt of my retaliation on on whatever's going on. So it's not as if we're wandering around acting according to our values all the time. But I know certainly for me, if I behave in a way that's not aligned with my values, then I, I, I really feel it and I feel really bad and I feel kind of guilty. And maybe this comes back to your, um, your acceptance and commitment uh, therapy type of approach, because it's about accepting that these are normal human feelings to have as a result of the behavior that we've displayed. Yeah. And I think what's nice about, and it's, it's commonly shortened to act just to make it easy. So you don't have to throw the full (laughs) thing around. Um, but I think what's nice about it is it gives you a language to come back to when you're experiencing these things in life. And so, you know, what, what act provides as a framework is something called the choice point, right? So you, any time you're hitting choice points, a plethora of times uh, throughout the day. This, yeah. And, you know, and sometimes you're going to make what act calls an away move <laughs> when you're in, uh-huh. you're in that, you're in that choice point. Um, and then sometimes you'll make a toward move and you tend to know whether or not you've made an away or a toward move of your values and from the person that you ultimately want to be based on as you rightly said, how you feel, right? If, you, if you're feeling shame and guilt and anger and fear, then probably made an away move. And so that's, that's a, a diagnostic moment. That's a self-awareness moment there. You don't, don't need to judge yourself for that. Every single human yeah. being on the planet does this. And you are during any given day, you're going to make away moves and towards moves. It's just like a part of life. Um, but it's nice to have that framework to come back to so that you can start to make richer decisions as you move forward. And more and more of them will be in alignment with this true set of values that you have and you'll feel better. Um, And I think also it will become easier to make tough decisions. The ones that have Hmm. big scaled impact, uh, the one that maybe there's not, it's not a very clear, this is the right thing or the wrong thing to do. You can come back to like your value system so that you have that decision-making framework um, and can you know, I think stand strong in that decision, even if it is, you know, out of alignment with what other people think you should be doing. Um, because how many times do you, do you find yourself in that situation where it's like the way it's always been done is this, but you're trying to have an impact over here because of a core value that you have. And that, that takes, that takes strength. And where do you draw that strength from? And you can draw that from your values if you've done that work. Um, and it makes it easier to navigate that, that process. But you know, using how you feel is such a strong, such a strong tool because that's, that's your body talks to you all day, every day. It's trying to let you know, (laughs) you know, what's going on. And if you listen to that, um, you know, you can usually figure out pretty quickly, have I made an away move here? Am I out of alignment with Mm -hmm. my values somewhere? Okay, great. Awesome. No judgment. That's human. Here's how I course correct. And I'm going to take committed action in this direction. 
Yeah. And I think you, you've kind of used the key phrase there as well. It's, it's not about judging um, ourselves. It's not about judging other people as well. It's about no judgment. It's about that, that you know, we're just human. Um, we may, I was about to say we made a mistake, but more like back to your language, we made an away move and let's, let's get it back on track. Yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, kind of going back to a point that, that we discussed earlier, this, this idea of taking personal responsibility and not putting the blame on other people and not expecting other people to change in line with our expectations, but rather for us to do, to work on our own stuff. Um, I suppose I'm, I'm curious in a couple of different areas. First of all, the kinds of things that come up for people and how they get tripped up, generally speaking, and what impact that has and what knock on impact that has on business. Yeah, I think I think a lot of what people carry with them into the office are their personal relationships. And these can go back all the way to your childhood, your relationships with your parents, with um, authority figures in your life that shaped you, uh, you know, to, to be who you're showing up as in this moment. It can be what's happening in your romantic relationship currently. It can be what's happening in your... Um, you know, your leadership role as the parent, if you are one, um, you know, so I think we, we carry a lot of these things and because we're not, you know, I think there's a huge spectrum in terms of relation, relational intelligence, relationship intelligence. Um, and, and we're not always great at dealing with that in the personal area. And so it's easy to bring that to work and kind of like exact things. So I've had a huge fight with my husband this morning. I'm feeling undervalued, disrespected, and I show up into the office and, you know, my peer challenges an idea that I have on a project that's important to me. Like, if I haven't dealt with that, everything that just happened in that fight with my husband is coming at that poor peer who was just like, maybe we should have it. <laughs> maybe we should view something there. I know I'm coming at yeah. you, Tiger. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, I think, you know, I think that's a lot of it. I know for me, and again, I, I do... I am quite comfortable being in an open book. There was a lot of stuff that I carried with me from my earlier years into mm. adulthood. I am adopted. I am a first generation university graduate. Um, I have like a mixed ethnic background and I'm neurodiverse, like good luck. Um, so I like, there was a lot of stuff that I just had tucked away and completely yeah. ignored. Uh, and as it was interesting, it started to affect me more the higher I climbed because now I was under much larger stress. I had kids of my own. I was married. I had to show up as a partner. Um, I, I had to, you know, communicate with my children in a, in a healthy way that wasn't just like transferring all of my baggage onto them. Um, you know, I had to work within a team environment. Um, you know, I, I had to report in to somebody else, which brought authority issues to the, to the surface, you know? Yes, yeah, um, yeah. so there was just a, I, I learned a lot about myself, particularly after that, that first founding experience and then selling and then going to work for a team again. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And this this idea that it was it became more pronounced, let's say, the further you progressed, the higher you got, maybe greater level of success that you got. Is that because you were not, you know, you mentioned that you're under a lot more stress in that scenario, but is that because you maybe had a higher level of visibility then? And so when when people have this higher level of visibility and anything that they do gets amplified because of the amount of visibility, the scrutiny that they're under. Could that have been something else as well? I think that definitely played a role. And I think it was two things. I My expectations of myself changed. So okay. I, I, I think a lot of that pressure was self-inflicted. Um, in the early days of my career, I was an underdog. So every time I achieved something, it was like a surprise. <laughs> I was one of I was one of the youngest on the team. Like so, there were a lot of factors there, and so it, it, that I was in awe of everything that was happening in the early part yeah. of my career. And then I achieved those things, and I was like, "Oh man, well I've just got to keep being like not even good. Like I need to be extraordinary at all the yeah. things at all times." And like I did. I did that. I blamed a lot of other people for how I got to that point mentally, but that was me 
having not dealt with the fact that I still didn't, I didn't feel good enough because of all these things that were completely out of my, out of my control. And then I think you add to that, that now I'm processing all of this, like in front of everybody. So when it goes wrong, it goes really wrong. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) When it goes wrong, it goes wrong. Brilliant. Um, The other question I had, so we kind of touched on this idea of the impact that it can have on an individual, the level of stress that you're holding yourself back in some way that maybe you're not as successful as you could be. You're not reaching your potential. You're not making as much money as you could. But what is the impact on business then from a business perspective? Yeah, it was really interesting, you know, and I've got a soft spot in my heart for anybody who's in any type of revenue generation position because a huge portion of my career, um, you know, was as an individual contributor in sales. And it's fascinating because one of the first places that this showed up for me was in prospecting. So you could always tell if there was something going on with me. And I, and I've seen this play out with every, I know what to look for and I can, I can see it and coach through it, but it yet when you're not feeling all right, it is so much harder to reach out to, to other people. Uh. And because as a salesperson, you're a part of that value, aren't you? It's, it's your expertise and your experience and your problem solving and, and, um, you know, solutioning capabilities that make you stand out from every other sales individual. Uh, and so there can become some really strong mental blocks when, when it comes to, to pipeline development. So that was one area just very practically uh, that, that I see this play out that can have a, a real impact on bottom lines. Uh, and then I think, you know, no matter what position you're in, it, it is just, it's just harder to organize your time to, you know, reach your full capacity within, within any given task to prioritize tasks. If you, if you feel in conflict all the time internally, so I would say task delivery, project delivery, hitting deadlines on time, showing up for calls. Um, you know, that's another one uh, that, that I've, you know, I've even seen is just, you know, the, the number of meetings canceled. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. You know, because you've yeah, got, yeah. you're not, you're not really feeling, they just don't have the energy to, to show up and yeah. hold space for somebody else in, in that moment because you're, you're off. Yeah, this is it. And I have absolutely no doubt that it can impact then on interpersonal relationships, which is a really key part, I think, of business as well. That if you kind of going back to your, your earlier example, Ashley, where, um, you know, if you had a fight with your husband and you're, you're showing up in a way and that someone you perceive that someone's sort of attacking your idea and you retaliate in some way that like that's going to definitely have an impact uh, because it's visible in front of everyone as well if it's in that kind of team meeting scenario. Yeah, no, a- absolutely. And and I think you hit the nail on the head. Everything is relationships. Yeah. Business, I mean, you've got your internal relationships that you're managing. You have external relationships that you're managing. You have your personal relationships that you're managing, your relationship with yourself that you're managing. And if you're not if you don't have the tools in your toolkit, because no one's ever taken the time to give them to you, it, that, it, it gets increasingly difficult because you're picking up more and more stuff the older that you get. And yeah. you, know, you, just, you need to be able to work through that in order to keep your relationships healthy. And, and I think for you to set an example, I think when we talk about like the, the power to influence others to change in a meaningful way, it, like we... I know it sounds so cheesy, but like we have to be that change. People do what you do, not what you say. So if you're showing up in a really self-aware manner every day and you're handling problems with grace and you're establishing healthy boundaries and having open dialogue around your boundaries and taking accountability for when you make an away move, then that starts to become the way people engage with you. And then yeah. they'll like the way that feels and then they'll go engage with others that way. Um, so I, th- I do think that you can have a, an extended influence on the health of all relationships. It is powerful as a toxic person in a, in a, in a team or a corporate culture can be, you know, that, that same thing is true for leading by positive example. So you, you can counterbalance that in your own behavior, which I just, that, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Like if I can arm people with the tools that they need to like, 
to lead the way, I am all in. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. And it's, it's, it's a prime example of role modeling. You know, if you, and as we progress, and, and this kind of goes back to the earlier point, as you progress in your career, you need to be more of a role model to those around you. When you're, when you're starting out, it's maybe there's less pressure on you to, to be that person who people can look up to. Um, but as your career progresses, as you get into management leadership positions, then kind of, I won't say all eyes are on you, but there's a lot more eyes on you than there were previously. And you need to be that really great role model. Another important point that you brought up is this idea of of self-awareness. And we touched on it before we started recording. And it relates back to the the last interview-based podcast episode, which is out a couple of weeks ago, um, in relation to this idea of bringing your whole self to work. But, but being, you have to have that level of self-awareness of how you're showing up as well. And, you know, one of the points that I made um, as a synopsis on that podcast episode was this idea that we all think that we're much more self-aware than what we actually are. I think, you know, and I'm guilty of this as the next person, you kind of feel like, oh, well, I'm so much more self-aware than other people around me. And we, I think we all do that. We all probably think that we are above average. And if everyone thinks they're above average, then, you know, th- there's something <laughs> there's something wrong there. Um, and so maybe we can talk a little bit about self-awareness, what it means. And, and like if there's someone listening today, maybe what are the, some of the first steps they can take to grow in self-awareness and start to address some of those um, issues that they have? Yeah, I, I think the critical first step is just realizing that you are just as human as everybody else <laughs> and, and, like, and getting comfortable with that fact, accepting that fact. Um, you know, we are all neither special or unspecial. <laughs> we are all just humans out there doing our thing. Um, and it, it's really interesting because within, within the therapeutic community, we're actually required to uh, maintain what we call supervision. Because even, even the most highly trained of us are not like, we're, oh my God. And they're like, we're throwing ourselves in, into an environment where we are going to be knowingly triggered yes, constantly um, by yeah. our clients. And so we, you know, we have to go see somebody to work through the stuff that our work brings up in us. Um, yeah. And, I, and I, think, I think that is the phenomenal idea for all human beings. Like, we're all out there. We're all triggering each other. We're all <laughs> being triggered. You know, it's like, this is part of being human. And so I think, I think accepting that you are in fact human and then putting support mechanisms in place that feel comfortable for you is, is the big thing. Um, and that, that can be a therapist. It can be a coach. Um, it can, be a peer mentor. I, I do, I do caution leaning too heavily um, on friends and family because it's not it's just not objective. It's it's not. Um, you know. So I, I there's the relationship element to that as well, isn't it? You know. And that, if I think of um, even talking to friends and family about someone else or about some other issue that you're having. But it could be that they know those people as well. And therefore, it's definitely not objective. And it's them being your friend or your family. You would hope that they will take your side. And that also means that it's a little bit blurry and maybe they'll tell you what you want to hear rather than what you really need to hear. Or it damages their perception of a relationship that you intend to keep intact. Like let's say sometimes you just need space to like process the ugly. Like you need to be the opposite of who you actually want to be in a safe environment so that you can work through that and show up uh, as who you want to be in in real life. Um, and, And that, you know, seeing a lot of relationships be very heavily strained. Uh, on on account of not being able to separate, like, what is this? Do I need to keep? How much is venting? How much is this person like genuinely hurting somebody that I love very dearly? Um, so you know, there there you know there are some challenges there. And then I would say it's yeah, the venting versus the kind of malicious side of things, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, you know, there there are so many tools and resources now to to help guide you through setting those values. I think it is the best gift that you can give yourself. It is not going to be easy. It is going to bring stuff up. Get the support that you need for it, but do it. Do it, do it, do it, because it will make it so much easier to navigate choice points and to be able to have an open dialogue with yourself so that you can yeah. choose how you respond to what comes in you know, into, into your environment. 
Yeah, I think, you know, it, one thing that you you mentioned earlier, which I think kind of stood out for me is this idea of faster decision making. So, you know, if you can make decisions faster, what kind of difference would that make in business, in your life in general? Yeah. Um, if you can make faster decisions. And I think I'm one of those who, some, you know, sometimes I can make fast decisions, but sometimes I can't. Um, so I think getting clearer on my own core values, I think would really help with that. Yeah. And I think the other, the other thing to add to that is, you know, relatively guilt-free decision-making, which means that you yeah. can stay productive after you've made that call without that guilt and shame ha- hangover. So it's just like tough decision made onto the next thing. And you, you sort of your capacity to be productive is not diminished because you've had to like tackle this huge emotional thing. Uh, and, and that's, I think it's a highly undervalued <laughs> inner peace. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, uh, yeah, well, absolutely. A lot of energy expended on feeling guilt or shame because you've made a certain type of decision that was hard to make. Yeah. But once you've made it, you're still feeling that kind of the difficulty. Um, but yeah, I think getting clear on those, that's a really, really great point. Um, d- Conscious of time here, and one of the questions that I ask for everyone who comes on the podcast is what does being happier at work mean to you? Yeah, being happier at work for me means having healthy relationships. Uh, You know, being able to to come in and and to engage with my team and my peers and feel good about those interactions, even when we're solving tough challenges or even when there are, you know, tough things going on for the business. I just, I, I like to have my inner peace uh, intact as I, as I move through that. And, and it, it feels really darn good to help other people get theirs too. Yes. So that's what being happier at work is for me. I like for people to feel safe. That's a yeah, really important word, I think. Yeah, feeling safe. And if people want to reach out and connect with you, what is the best way they can do that? Yeah, you can follow me on any of your preferred social channels. Um, the organization name is Humane Startup. So keep kept it simple. That's that's all of the <laughs> those are all of our handles. Also visit www.humanestartup.com. And if you are intrigued by the opportunity to you define your core values and are looking for support on that process. Uh, we do have the Startup Therapy app that is available for download on the Apple and Google Play stores. There's a seven-day challenge, completely free, uh, that you can engage with that will, will help you get clear on your values and start making aligned decisions. And you can actually reach out and schedule a free 30-minute consultation with me uh, as part of that process if you feel like there's some tough stuff that comes up that you would like additional support with. Brilliant. Love that. Thank you so much for your time today, Ashley. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I I have a feeling we'll be talking again, um, (laughs) you know, about one or two of these topics that has um, come up. We dive in a little bit deeper into that. So really, really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. That was Ashley Collins from Humane Startup. And I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I certainly took a lot away if you've ever been at the brunt of someone's anger at work or or feel like you've been treated unjustly, or if you have been the person who's acting in that way and you wanted to understand a little bit more about why that might be, maybe you didn't realise or maybe you did realise and you have done something about it. I really, really enjoyed that conversation. I would love for you to continue that conversation with us over on social media. Do feel free to connect with me. All of the links are Uh, there on my website, happieratwork.ie. We started the conversation talking about this concept of bringing our whole self to work. And we hear an awful lot about that across social media. I certainly am exposed to a lot of that kind of stuff. You need to be really authentic. But there's, a, I suppose, a balance in being authentic, sometimes being too authentic and saying, that's just how I am. And the excuse being, but you want me to be authentic, I think that's taking things into the extreme. So you're being authentic by being angry or you're being authentic by oversharing or something like that. We talked about this idea of being out of alignment. I think that's the the words that Ashley used was being out of alignment, probably a polite way of saying you're bringing your stuff and I'm going to try and stay polite as well. You're bringing your stuff with you into work that really should be dealt with with a therapist. And it's having a direct impact on your performance Maybe you're taking things a little bit personally. This idea that it's easier to run away 
than to have those tough conversations. And I know how tough conversations can be. And I have run away from countless tough conversations in my career, both personally and professionally. So I can totally relate to the scariness associated around that. We focus on doing maybe what's easier rather than what's right. And then we can become defensive. And we talked about this idea of putting our armor on and I'll show them, you know, if you want to prove someone wrong. One thing as a slight aside that one of my mentors, I always remember him saying it's more important to be helpful than to be right. So it's not about being right or wrong. So if someone asks you for something and you know that that's not really what they need, and this was in the case of an agency based work. So if they're asking for something and you're like, rather than just giving them what they ask for, you can probe a little bit and try and be helpful and give them what they they actually need. Um, so as a slight aside, but you can apply it certainly in this case as well. So you want to be helpful with people rather than trying to prove yourself right and prove other people wrong. I love this idea then that we always think that there's a goal or an achievement. And I certainly am, am guilty of this as well. We think there's a goal or an achievement that's going to unlock absolutely everything. Ashley referred to it as the gold medal syndrome. So it's that thinking that you think, I'll be happy when I'll be happy when I get that promotion. I'll be happy when I change jobs. But you carry all of those feelings with you still. And it's about addressing the underlying issues and not always going for the next achievement. It's about learning to be happy in the process, learning to be happy with what you have. And one thing I talk about in relation to happiness at work is gratitude, just being grateful for what you have or saying thank you to someone else or showing support to someone else. The other thing we touched on is we often put blame on other people for maybe our own shortcomings. We don't even see them, but we tend to want to fix other people rather than wanting to work on ourselves and our own issues. But we can't. You can't fix other people. You can't make other people change. Some of the actions then, the specific practical tips that we talked about was shifting what you do with those feelings. So acknowledging the feelings that you have and shifting them to be committed to becoming actually a different person. And, and how can you do something different with those feelings that you have? But you do need to acknowledge the feelings. They're, it's just human to have those feelings. So you, you need to give space to actually feel those feelings as well. I loved how we talked about values that comes up again and again on the podcast. Uh, if you want a more in-depth conversation about values, there are previous podcast episodes that I can recommend to you about them. But this idea that we take on values because we think we should have them. So, you know, I touched on, on the idea that we could have uh, shared values of respect and integrity and things like that. Now, not only is it difficult because different people have different meanings for those different words, but sometimes they're not actually our values at all. We just think that people expect us to have those values when actually they go against what what our values actually, well, not that they go against what our values are, but they're not in our top values. And so when we're, we're expected to behave in a certain way and we don't, then it can make us feel exhausted because we're masking what our real values actually are. Ashley then introduced this concept of acceptance and commitment therapy, or as she referred to it, ACT, or I've heard other people call it ACT as well, and introducing this concept of the choice point. So when you reach a decision point, essentially, that you have a choice whether to make an away move or a toward move, and that's in reference to your values. And it's about having that awareness of what your values are. It makes it much easier to make tough decisions. There's no right or wrong answer but use how you feel and your body will talk to you when it comes to making those decisions. And there's no judgment here either. I wanted to understand more of the impact that this has on businesses. And the way Ashley described it is that it affects us more the further we progress because our expectations of ourselves elevate the higher we progress in our careers. And when we we are unable to meet those expectations and when, when we have more eyes on us, more visibility and visibility is one of the triggers of imposter syndrome as well, that it becomes increasingly difficult to reach out when, we, when we're not really feeling our best. We have these mental blocks about reaching out and asking for help. One of the specific examples that she shared how it can impact on businesses is pipeline development. 
So when you're looking for new sales leads, um, I think because her background, you know, that's associated with her background. But if you think about your own situation in your own role or in your own business, what can the impact of that be of you having unresolved issues and mental blocks that are getting in the way of you reaching your full potential and reaching the best performance that you can have? It can have an impact on our ability to prioritize, to manage our tasks properly as well. We touched on this idea of role modeling and how as you progress to an organization, there's more eyes on you. So it's more important for people to behave and to not bring their issues, to not kind of openly demonstrate the kinds of things that that essentially should be already dealt with. And in keeping with that vein, we talked about what makes a good leader. And this idea of self-awareness came up again. That's something that we've spoken about on the podcast previously. So having a great deal of self-awareness, knowing what triggers you, knowing the impact that you have on other people, but also your ability to handle problems that you don't get overly stressed, so you're able to handle difficult situations at work and that you can show other people and be a role model for other people as to how you handle those problems. Show that you still have those problems. You're just as human as everyone else. Um, I love this idea that Ashley introduced as well, that we're all triggering each other. We're basically just triggering each other from whatever uh, traumas that we may have had in the past. Um, but we need to accept ourselves as human and seek out support in a place that feels good for us. And on that note, I'm going to leave it there for this week and I'll be back next week with another solo episode and I look forward to sharing my insights with you then. That was another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I am so glad you tuned in today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I would love to get your thoughts. Head on over to social media to get involved in the conversation. If you enjoy the podcast, I would love if you could rate, review it or share it with a friend. If you want to know more about what I do or how I could help your business, head on over to happieratwork.ie.